If you take your Bibles, we're going to turn to the book of James, James chapter number four. This is one of my favorites. Before we get into the passage, I just want to tell you what God's been doing in my life. Um, so I've, I've been on staff at the church now for about three weeks. Um, I will tell you, in the time that I've been here, uh, I've been having some time uh, just to, to be around the culture of the church. But lately, there's a theme that's running through what I'm experiencing. Um, I have been to more funerals at this church than I have been to in my entire life. And it's happened in the last couple months. Now, I, I remember I used to dread funerals. Is there anybody in here with me that does not like to go? You will avoid the funeral if you can. Okay. Um, I remember in youth group growing up, uh, we had a, a, a man who's a, a guy who's on my football team in high school, went to public school, and uh, we were in youth group, and his father had passed away. And, and at this one Wednesday night youth group night, we were going to go and visit uh, at the viewing, okay? The viewing was that Wednesday night. Well, we all got in our cars, and I was driving at that point, probably a sophomore or a junior, and everyone was pulling out and going to turn left to go to the funeral. Well, I pulled out, and I turned right, because uh, I did not want to go. I went home, okay? Um, but the Bible does say that it is better to go into the uh, house of mourning uh, than it is to go into the house of feasting, okay? You, it's better to go to a funeral than it is to go to a party, because you're going to become wiser uh, from going to so. But in our church, many of you have been affected because of the funerals. Uh, family members pass away, friends, loved ones. But this theme of death has been on my mind. Say, man, this is Thanksgiving, this Sunday after, we get into death. I believe that looking into what the Bible says about death and life really gives us the chance to live freely, to know why it is that we're here. So I've been experiencing these funerals and, and hearing different stories, different causes of death, some young, uh, some old. Not only that, uh, it, it seemed like we, we had a funeral in the church, and, and then a couple days later there was these attacks in Paris. Anyone been following that on, online or on the news? These people that were just going about their daily business, and all of a sudden something happens unexpectedly where... These terrorists took their life unexpectedly. Um, I was touched really deeply. I don't know if anyone in here has heard the story. There was a pastor's wife in Indianapolis that was uh, killed in her home. Uh, she was 28 years old. Her name was Amanda Blackburn. Uh, Amanda was a girl that I actually went to college with uh, at Pensacola Christian College. We we're the same age. And uh, she went to school, and, and I, I don't know that she met her husband there because I don't know him. But somebody just, one morning when her husband went out to go to the gym and work out, somebody came in and took her life. And I, I began to ask questions. I mean, when you think of funerals and when you think of these Paris attacks and when you think of somebody you went to school with, just their life is ending so quickly, you begin to ask the questions, Why? For what reason? And then I stopped and I, I thought, that could have been my wife. That, that could be me. And I, I asked the question, these people, they, they go and they have their life and their life is, is snuffed out in an instant. 
But the question I, I, I'm, I'm stunned with and I had to go to the scriptures and find wisdom with is, well, why am I still here? Have you ever thought about that when a friend of yours passed away? And you, you said, well, well, they were good and they were, their life was fine. Why did that happen to them and why am I still here? Uh, why, why would it happen that a, a young lady, 28, her life would be taken, but, but, but you're a young lady and you're still here? And tonight I want to answer that question. For what reason, uh, for what purpose did we not, uh, or did we miss out on death early? For what reason are we still here today? Uh, we got a chance to celebrate Thanksgiving, and you had the opportunity to spend time with family, but why? Why you and not the person that has already passed away? And this is the question I want to get into tonight. So let's read our passage, and we'll get into it. James chapter number 4, let's begin in verse 13. I'm going to read through verse number 17, and we will get into uh, what we're going to learn tonight. The Bible says, Go to now. Ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas, ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Each of these people, the people in the Paris attacks, this, this girl, Amanda Blackburn, uh, these people in our lives that have passed away, do you know that each of them on that day, uh, most of them in these, in these situations, they did not plan on this to happen. There was one common theme among these people, and it's the fact that their tomorrow or their today was uncertain. There's no certainty. The length of their life was variable. Uh, they didn't know how long. Uh, they didn't know when their last breath was going to be taken. It was unforeseeable what was going to happen in the future. Uh, does anybody in here like to make plans for Christmas? Anybody got plans? Got fun plans? Maybe go see some family for Christmas? Yeah, I love Christmas. I'm so happy we're singing Christmas songs. I'm so, I love the flowers. You guys like the flowers? I love Christmas. I started listening to Christmas songs probably a month ago now, and I just love it. Uh, and, and, but we love to make plans. Uh, you know, for Christmas, we were talking, my wife and I, maybe we're going to go out to her parents' house or go up to my mom's house or what we're going to do. But we have a lot in common with the folks here in verse number 13. Let's look at that verse. In verse number 13, the Bible says, and there's this encouragement from James to these people, go to now. Has the idea of listen up and pay attention to what I'm saying. Go to now. Ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Uh, in this passage of James, uh, the whole passage of James is nestled around this idea of submitting ourselves to God, of recognizing that our faith should affect how we act and how we behave. In this passage, he is going to address some people that have a lot of plans. I love to plan. I love to get my calendar out and plan things out. I love to know what I'm doing each day. I love to know what I'm doing down the road. I love to plan, and so do these people. Here were their plans. They said, huh, today or tomorrow, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go into a city. We're going to buy stuff. We're going to sell stuff, and we're going to make some money. 
they had some future plans. And this is what we do. We're great at planning for what's going to come. We have career plans. Some of you are saying that this is your year. This is the year you're going to get that promotion that you've been trying to get, uh, that income level. You're going to try and reach it because this is the year you've been planning for it. You've positioned yourself well and you've got career plans. Uh, You're going to get the promotion you've been looking for. We make family plans. Uh, Some of you are making plans on, we're going to sell this house and buy this house. We're going to go to this neighborhood this year. We're going to upgrade our car this year. You know what? We're going to save and we're going to get to this level. uh, And we're going to have some family plans. Maybe you have plans to take a a vacation to Disney if you've got kids. Or you're you're planning that cruise that you've just been waiting to take because you're tired and you can't wait for this cruise. Maybe you have plans to go visit Grandma. We make plans. We make personal plans. Uh, we say that, uh, you know, I, I need to uh, go on a diet next week. I need to spend more time with my wife. Man, my kids, I've really been crunched with time at work, but I, I'm going to spend time with my kids. On Tuesday, I'm going to spend time with my kids. Next month, when things slow down, I'm going to be able to spend more time. We make spiritual plans. We're good at this. We, that we have a sin in our heart, and we say, you know what? I'm going to get it right with God this next week at church. This next week at church, I'm going to confess that sin. I'm going to go to my life group, and I'm going to get that right. I'm going to confess it to my brothers. They say, uh, next month I'm going to start giving, or uh, you know what? At the beginning of the year, I'm going to start to read the Bible through again, and we make plans. Does anybody in here make plans? Okay, everyone, I hope you make plans, okay? It's okay to make plans. We make plans, and we make goals And we postpone important things until a later date, just like the people in verse number 13. Can you identify with those people? But I do not want you to miss verse number 14. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanisheth away. Do you know that there is absolutely no certainty you will spend Christmas with your family? you got to realize this because these people were making plans and we make plans. And sometimes the Bible says you got to identify with these people in here. And and there's this idea that says, hey, listen, listen, before you start making plans, realize all of your plans are completely uncertain. There's no promise of next year's promotion. There's no promise of that vacation. There's no promise of that house. There's no promise you get to visit grandma next month. There's no promise of tomorrow. Because our life, what it is, it's described as a vapor. You've all seen a vapor. You've all seen steam coming off the stove. Or if you're like me, I spend much time uh, at the ironing board and I got steam coming off my ironing board. It shows up, you see it, and then it goes away. And that is how the length of our life is described. There is no promise for tomorrow. And it's because of this that life must be lived day by day. Proverbs 27.1 says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Now let's get into the message. I'm just going to have two points tonight, okay? Can we make it simple? So after reading all of this, I still haven't answered the question, why am I here? 
Because I began to think about that because my life could have been taken away. There could have been an accident that I got in. What is the purpose for me being here? And we find it in verse number 15. In verse number 15, the verse says, For that ye ought to say. So don't plan and, and, and just presume upon your life, but here's what you ought to do. You ought to say, If the Lord will, we shall live. Do you know why you're still here? It's because God wants you here. Do you know that? That's my first point. The reason that you're here today, the reason that that you are not dead, the reason you didn't pass away is because for some reason God has you here. He wants you here. Look at what the verse says. If the Lord will, we shall live. The word will means God wants, God's desire. It has the idea of God's intention. Do you know God specifically thought it out and he intended for you to be alive today? That's important because so many times we get up today as if it's just another day and we begin to plan and postpone things for tomorrow when we have to realize and we have to know that God wants us here. He's given us life. Uh, if you've ever wondered if you've had purpose or significance, you have to get to the, part, the point where you realize God is the source of life. Do you know God has always been the source of life? Uh, in Genesis 2, uh, verse number 7, at the very beginning where it all started, the Bible says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. I hope that each one of you realizes that the only reason, the only reason that you're breathing today is not because you deserve breath. It's not because you're special. It's simply because God wanted you to have breath. He created and he gave you and he sustains the very breath in your body. At the very beginning, God was the source of life. And that leads us to ask the question, well, what about death? Why are people dying? What is up with that? Death came when sin entered the world. In Romans chapter 5, verse number 12, the Bible gives us a clear idea and reason where death came from. It says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. I want to stop here for just a second. I realize in this passage that God wants me to be here. I should be thankful for that. And I realize that the very breath of life is in me because God has given it to me. So when I come to death, it's a little bit confusing. Death is a result of sin. You see, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, that death was passed upon all men. And every person is spiritually dead at birth. They're all spiritually dead, though they have the breath of life in their body. But can I tell you that life has always been coming from God. He's always been the source. And even when death came by sin, God made a way for us to have eternal life, real life. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We know, but God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. A couple things about this, God wanting you to be here. Do you realize God gave you the breath that you have, but God doesn't just want you to have life, (sighs) breathing life, okay? God wants you to not have life just breathing. He wants you to have life, real spiritual life, and he is the only source of it. 
the, the, Jesus has made a way because he died on the cross for our sins. He received and he paid the punishment for all of our sins. Everything I ever did, everything I ever did wrong, thought wrong, everything, all my sin was placed upon Jesus. And Jesus bore the full punishment for my sin. And listen to this. John 10.10 says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life. And they might have it more abundantly. Somebody in here and some people in here only have breath. And I hope you know that the reason you have breath is because God gave it to you. He wants you to have it. But more importantly than the physical breath that's in your lungs is the spiritual life that God wants you to have. He wants you to have a relationship with God. The only way that you can have real life and you can testify with me that the real life comes when we have a connection with God. When we are relating to the one who created us and that only comes when we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But we have to realize that the source of this life is God. God wants us here, and that is why we are here. Let's look back in James chapter 4, verse 15. So, we know that God wants us here. Okay, we see that. If the Lord will, verse 15, for that you ought to say, if the Lord will, if the Lord wants, if the Lord desires, we shall live. And clearly we're living, and so clearly he desires we shall live. But the question is, is there, it's, well, well, Why? Why are we here? Let's read the rest of verse 15. If the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. My second point. Not only does God want you here, and that's why you're here, but God has you here because he's got something for you to do. God has something for you to do. We need to go back and recognize and acknowledge that if the Lord will, we shall live. God, you put me here. For some reason, you let me live today. For some reason, you let me breathe today. But why is it you let me breathe today? See, it's great that God wants us here, but we have to answer the question, why? In Revelation 4.11, we see what the Bible says about our purpose. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. See, each of us, I want to encourage you, you have to ask the question of God, what do you want me to do? Uh, in the book of Acts, when Saul, uh, that, that uh, road to Damascus experience, he asked God the question, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Once he realized that God was the Lord and that God was the creator and he was the one that he answered to, the immediate next question was, well, what do you want me to do, God? And that's what we ought to do as well. The Bible says we are planning and we are, uh, what verse 16 says, boasting. Uh, We're rejoicing in our boastings and all such rejoicing is evil. We're making our plans and we're presuming upon God and we're going to do this and we're going to do this and we're going to do this. And we never stop to acknowledge the fact and position ourselves rightly under the will of God. We never realize that, yes, God put me here for a reason. We're preoccupied about our own plans and our will. And here's the sad thing is, is that we miss out on God's will. Some of us are so, and I don't, I want to stop here for a second, because when I say some of us, many times you're like, ah, you can't relate to that. I will tell you that I spent 
probably the last two years, seeking things besides God. Yes, I was here in church, but it's easy to start planning and getting your own plans mixed up with God's plans. It's easy to start planning for making that amount of money that you want to make. Your, your whole focus and your mindset and the way that your life is positioned is positioned not for the will of God, but it's for your will. And sometimes we're really good at masking our will and saying that we're still trying to do God's will. We, we uh, deceive ourselves into thinking that we're doing God's will. See, here's something that's the problem, and it is our thinking. Do you know that when God said, I want you to live... And I've got something for you to do. He didn't say, I want you to live. And you know what? Here's your life. Take it. It's yours. That's not what he said. See, our life is God's. Our, for so long and so, so many times we get our thinking messed up saying, you know what? Thank you, God, for my life. I can't wait to do this thing. And I can't wait to fulfill this dream. And, you know, Disney says, you know, follow my heart. And so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. And I can't wait to follow my dreams because this is what I want to do. But that is when we miss the main point of our life. We are here. We're created for his pleasure. See, we are not an owner of our life. We are a manager of our life. Uh, We're a steward. 1 Corinthians 6, if you are a Christian, the Bible says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. For you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You see, we need to change our thinking to say, listen, God, thank you for today. I realize you gave me today, but why did you give me today? You gave it to me to do your will. This is your body. This is your life. This is your time, and this is your day, and it is a gift from you, and so you know what? I'm going to ask you what you want me to do with it, and so you say, well, what does God want me to do with my life? If, if I'm not the owner and he's the owner, then I'm the manager. Well, what does the Bible say that God would have me to do with my life? Here, let me tell you this. Uh, this is, uh, this should get into a lot of questions, but you say, how can you cover God's will in one message? I'm going to give you a few points and just give you some direction. Do you know it is God's will generally that every person receive Jesus as their Savior? It is God's absolute most important uh, desire of his heart that every person in here be connected to God. That it only happens through Jesus Christ. He said he's not willing in 1 Timothy 2.4. Uh, he says he said he'll, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. This is what he wants. Who will have all men to be saved. Uh, 2 Peter 3.9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness but is long-suffering to usward. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Do you know what God wants more importantly? He gave you the breath of life, and the first thing he wants you to do, he wants you to realize that it comes from him, and he wants you to realize that there's more than just breathing. There's spiritual breathing. There's a spiritual connection where you can be reconciled to your creator. 
And that's only through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. Every person, that should be your first thing that when you ask this question, what is God's will? God's will is that you have a relationship with him, received Christ as your savior. Another verse clearly states the will of God for a Christian. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 5, uh, it's, it talks about, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. The Bible says generally, you say, what does God want me to do today? Well, he wants you to be morally pure today. He wants you to clean up your life. Now, listen, that you can take that to say, I need to work to please God. No, no, no. Because the Holy Spirit lives within you, he will reveal to you things in your life that need to go because they don't line up with the gospel and they don't line up with him living within you. We need to stay morally pure. That is God's will. Here's one, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God. In Christ Jesus concerning you. You say, okay, God gave me breath today. He, what does he want me to do? What he wants you to do today is to be thankful. This is very difficult around Black Friday time and Christmas shopping. Thankful uh, means being content. Thankful uh, means recognizing that I'm okay with the things that I have. And I can say to God, thank you for giving me these things. Uh, we ought to in everything and every trial and all of our circumstances to be able to give thanks to God. He wants us to be thankful. Fourthly, he wants us to be transformed through the word of God. In Romans 12 verses 1 and 2 talks about us. Uh, presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice. And verse 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do you know what God's will is for you? This would be the best direction I can give you. God's will is that you would stop being influenced by everything else outside of God, uh, stop being influenced by everything you read on the internet or everything you hear. And instead, you need to fill your mind with what's in this book. And the Bible says that God is going to transform you to be more like Christ because you're going to put this in your mind and it's going to renew your mind. You're going to think different thoughts because you're going to think God's thoughts. You're going to think these thoughts. And these are things God wants us to do generally. God generally wants us to follow what he wants. And you know what? As we obey God generally, we will do his will specifically. Listen, God has specifically wanted you here today. You say, I'm not significant. No, 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 you are significant. It is because God desires, he purposefully, uh, intentionally has you here for a reason. He has you here for a reason, something in your family. Someone needs you to share the gospel. Somebody needs you at your workplace. The circumstances that you're in, do you know that God, he didn't take you out of that circumstance. He has you here. And he has you here for a purpose. And so we need to find out what that is and we need to seek his will. You see, today is not just another day. Today is a day that God's made and he's given it to you as a gift. What we must do is we must humble ourselves We must confess the pride that's in our hearts because we have such pride that we don't even stop to consider that today is a day not from ourselves. We are not the creators of our own day, but God is the creator of our day and he has given it to us. And we need to submit ourselves underneath of him and ask, God, what do you want me to do today? I'm going to get kind of preachy here because I'm going to read from Charles Spurgeon. You know that guy? He's a preachy guy, but he's got good stuff. 
Here's what he says about James chapter 4, this passage. He says, submit yourselves unto God. Should not the creature be submissive to the creator, to whom it owes its existence, without whom it had never been, and without whose continuous good pleasure it would at once cease to be? Our creator is infinitely good, and his will is love. To submit to one who is too wise to err, too good to be unkind, should not be hard. If he were a tyrant, it might be courageous to resist, but since he is a father, it is ungrateful to rebel. He cannot do anything which is not perfectly just, nor will he do aught which is inconsistent with the best interest of our race. Therefore, to resist him is to contend against one's own advantage, and like the untamed bull, to kick against the pricks to our own hurt. See, the question is today, will we submit to God? The way that this passage is telling us that we submit to God is by recognizing every day that the day is a gift from him. He wants us here. He has willed us to be here. And he's willed you to be here for a purpose. And so we must figure out what that purpose is. You've you got to wake up with a purpose that God has something planned for you. So I question, are you actively engaged in God's will? Are you doing what God wants you to do? And let's look at our last verse, verse number 17. It brings it all together and summarizes it in this. It says, Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. A lot of our problem as Christian, the sin that we deal with, a lot of times is the sin of omission. Okay, That's something that God has already clearly showed you to do, that all we're doing is we're planning to do later. And he's only given us today. He's only promised us today. And today could even end short. And so we need to be actively doing. The Bible says, therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not. That word doeth, it's an idea of we're actively doing it now. Not I'm, I'm actively planning to do it next week. I'm actively planning to do it next month or next year. It's something that we're doing right now. God's will right now. Today is the day. Today you have life. Today you have breath. God wants you here. You are not an accident. Your circumstances are not by accident. And you are here because God has something for you to do. So the question is, will you continue one more day without acknowledging the source and the purpose of your life? Are you willing to daily acknowledge God's gift of today and will you submit to what his will is for your life? I want to give you something to take away. These are three questions you can ask every day and then we'll pray and we'll be done, okay? Three questions to ask every day. Question number one, have I acknowledged today as a gift from God? Have I acknowledged today as a gift from God? Question number two, have I asked God what he wants me to do today? Have I asked God what he wants me to do today? Question number three, is there anything I know I should be doing that I am putting off until later? Is there anything I know I should be doing that I am putting off until later? As we go into Christmas, as we go into holidays, as we spend time with family, realize that each day 
is the only day, if, if you're breathing, that you, that you have, that you know you have, okay? Read this passage. Realize it. Recognize that God wants you here and that God has you here because he has something for you to do.